It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to talk a little film. We're going to discuss Zach Wilson's final performance of the season against the Buffalo Bills. On paper, it looked really rough. On film, it also looked pretty rough, but there was some stuff to take away from this that was a positive. And so our man, the Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, did a great video on our YouTube channel, breaking it all down, the all-22 footage. So he's here to talk about it and go more in-depth. Luke, thanks for coming on, brother. It is good to be here. I am saddened that I can't make any more Zach Wilson review videos weekly, but I'm also kind of pleased that the Jets season's over because that was a tough one to sit through. Um, but as you said, there were some good things from Zach's performance. He didn't really have a chance, but I was pleased he at least didn't turn it over. I was just going to start with that because to me, that was the biggest takeaway here. If this was week two, we saw what happened against the New England Patriots. It snowballed, and every time they got pressure on him, every time they put him in uncomfortable positions, he turned the ball over. He didn't do that this time. Now, there were some mistakes, and I'll let you get into that in a bit as well. But as far as I'm concerned, by far the biggest positive from this game in terms of Zach Wilson's performance is that he very easily could have given the Bills an opportunity to put this game away very early. Josh Allen played poorly, missed a lot of throws. That's what kept the Jets in the game. That and the fact that Zach Wilson didn't turn the ball over because ultimately, if he had, those back-breaking mistakes would have come back to haunt the Jets a lot faster than they did. The Jets weren't able to get anything going on offense, but because Wilson didn't turn the ball over and because Allen missed those throws, the Jets were down by one score all the way up until a little over eight minutes to go in the game. This one was on the table, and a big part of the reason why, despite the fact that Zach Wilson never had a chance, is because he never gave the Bills an opportunity to take advantage of one of his sloppy mistakes, which I have no doubt he would have if this was earlier in the season. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Scott. Look at week two against New England at home, the home opener. He turns the ball over four times in the first half. The game snowballs on a young rookie quarterback. Things get out of control and that game's over by halftime. We were down by three points at halftime, I think. Um, Zach Wilson, despite having three reserve alignment playing, no starting wide receivers with Berrios going down. You had Crowder and then he goes out in the first quarter. You're realistically working with scraps and he couldn't turn it into dinner, but he did a pretty good job at least kind of feeding those around him and keeping the Jets in the game. 
biggest thing is avoiding turnover-worthy plays. We've seen that for the last five weeks, five straight weeks of no turnovers. It's a huge win for this organization if Zach can protect the football because a guy he got comped to a ton pre-draft was Aaron Rodgers. And yes, that's the highest ceiling you're going to see, but Rodgers, week in, week out, year in, year out, he doesn't turn the ball over. That's what Zach Wilson started to do. So it's super pleasing that even though the big plays weren't there, the explosives, he was able to, to avoid the turnover-worthy plays. Luke, let's talk a little bit more about this because when you looked at the tape earlier in the season, you could see where the mistakes were coming from. But what do you think it is that was different in this game? Because you talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, but he wasn't under nearly as much duress in that game as he was here. He was under duress all day. He got knocked down more than he completed passes, which is incredible. In fact, Drew from the Rockpile Report podcast joked when I was on the AFC East Roundup with them earlier this week that his wife texted him and said, I just saw on TV that Zach Wilson's been knocked down more times than he's completed a pass. Is that bad? And he laughed because, of course, his wife's not really much of a football fan. But even to her, that seems strange. What was it here that you think led to Zach Wilson being able to avoid those big mistakes that he wasn't able to channel early in the season? Well, the first part of it is the reason he was under that pressure, as most people know, is because George Fan wasn't there. And going from Mackay Becton to George Fan is not a huge drop-off, but going from George Fan to Connor McDermott is a large drop-off. But what what allowed him uh, to avoid the turnover-worthy plays? I think, first of all, he was eating the football. People got on him because he's holding the ball too long. You need to realize that's a product of people not being open. On third down, it's third and ten. You're throwing the ball into the wind. What do you want him to do? Just chuck it into the stands and say, oh, we'll come and get your next drive. I think people need to weigh up those factors. But it's just maturity. The reason he's not imploding is because he now understands where to go with the football. He's on time with his eyes and feet, something I've talked about a ton on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. But then his accuracy is better. Even throwing into the wind, which you mentioned Josh Allen struggled with, his accuracy was pinpoint on a lot of throws. Tyler Croft had a drop. Ty Johnson fell over on a wheel route. The mistakes that the Jets' offense made, throwing the ball anyway, they weren't really Zach Wilson. And that's just been his development and maturity. It's him understanding uh, concepts, understanding defenses, being on time, and then also being more accurate. They're probably the four biggest factors that go into him avoiding those turnover-worthy plays and the meltdown we saw in New England. A lot of this is mental, and he's improved his mental uh, approach to the game and in-game, and that's been really big for him. It's really been since John Beck's come along. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, Zach Wilson only completed seven passes in this game, so there weren't a lot of highlights. But one play that obviously stood out was the touchdown pass to Keelan Cole. And what was interesting to me about this was the accuracy and the timing here from Zach Wilson because Jordan Poyer is a really good safety. In fact, you could argue that Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are the best safety combination in the league. And if they're not, they're certainly right up there. Both of them had five takeaways apiece this year. Poyer came in and he guessed that Wilson was going to go inside. Instead, Wilson threw a back shoulder throw to Keelan Cole. Cole grabbed it and took it the rest of the way. Because Poyer guessed wrong, the Bills never had a chance. But if Wilson had done what was the predictable thing there, which was to throw inside, 
Hoyer grabs that and probably takes it back the other way for a pick six. And as I said, the Bills pull away a lot sooner than they did. So talk me through this play because Wilson not only was able to trick Poyer, but he also put the ball exactly where it needed to be for Cole to take it for a touchdown. The only real positive play of the day, throwing the ball. Again, not Zach Wilson's fault. That's just the way things are going to go when you're getting knocked down so much. But I thought this was an excellent play, especially considering the way that the rest of the game went. Jordan Poyer could not have played that any better. So on our on my video, if you jump on the YouTube channel and check that out, play like a jet on YouTube. He's on the right-hand side of the Bills' defensive formation. He cuts across Tyler Croft, who's running a, a slant kind of route from the left-hand side of the Jets' formation. Then he just guns it straight towards Keelan Cole. He reads the eyes of Zach Wilson. Someone in the comments over on YouTube said, you know what, it was actually a bad throw because Zach didn't see Jordan Poyer. He had the awareness to know where the safety was. That's why he didn't lead Cole too far to the inside. The ball placement was incredible. He put it on his numbers, allowed him to turn up field and get vertical rather than have to kind of take it across the field like we've seen with Zach. But that throw right there, the velocity, the timing, and the accuracy is why Zach Wilson's ceiling is significantly higher than Mac Jones. Look, Mac Jones played pretty well this year, and he was significantly better than Zach Wilson for 60 to 80% of the season. But that's the ceiling. And when people talk about ceilings and floors, it's that high level of play and the ability to put balls in windows that Mac Jones honestly couldn't dream of throwing, that's what separates two guys like that. That's why he got Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes comps. They weren't saying Zach Wilson's going to be that level of player. They were saying he has that level of arm, t- arm talent and accuracy at times, and you saw that. It was a phenomenal play. Understanding where the window was, I think it was fourth down as well off the top of my head, so it's a huge down in the context of the game. Late in the first of oh, the second quarter, I think early in the second quarter, a great job. That window is tiny. If you watch it at full speed from the back view on the All-22 film, Poyer's closing quickly. The corner's in pretty good coverage himself. And it's not even a traditional slant route where you're just breaking on three steps. It's almost a stutter option where he has the choice to go inside, outside. Zach reads it, fits it in the window. Great arm strength. It was an incredible play. One of three or four, but that was probably my favorite. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you watch the game, you might be thinking to yourself, I watched this game You're talking about all these positives, but the Jets had 87 yards of passing offense on 7 of 20 completions from Zach Wilson. So how is it possible that you guys are talking this positively about what Wilson did against the Buffalo Bills? So I want to even this out and be fair and talk about the negatives. Luke, there was some ugly stuff here that you saw when you looked at the All-22. The one that's going to stick out to everyone was the play on third and nine. Uh, Jets are in field goal range just before halftime. The biggest thing you always get taught as a quarterback is on third down, you want to try and make a play, but if you're in field goal range, don't take points off the board. Zach Wilson was fortunate the Jets were going with the wind because if the wind's going the other way, and he's not thinking that at the time, it's, it's legitimately just lucky, uh, that's going to be out of field goal range. In the end, Eddie, the kicker, does a great job slotting it over, but Zach escapes, and his escapability was fantastic. No one was open in the scramble draw. Denzel Mims is jogging like it's a warm-up in preseason. And Zach had an opportunity to set his feet and just throw it out of bounds. But he was so eager to make the play because he knows, i got to make this because we're playing Josh Allen and all these factors, and we've got to score points. And he just he took it too far. He needed to throw that ball into the stands, even though I said not to do that on third down. You do it when you're in point-scoring range, and you don't want to risk taking a sack In the end, the Jets lose, what, eight or nine yards? It becomes a 50-yard field goal. They're the, as Zach put it himself in the press conference, boneheaded mistakes that he needs to avoid. 
And for the most part, I think he did a pretty good job of it, but that was a really bad one. Got to the sideline, got pushed out of bounds. And then as his foot was coming down, went, oh no, I've got the ball in my hand still. And then tried to flip it away. So that was an egregious mistake. That was probably the biggest. As far as holding the ball, I've heard a lot of people say, Zach Wilson needs to scramble more. Like, didn't he see the success he had the other day? The Bills did a great job running stunts and games and twists on the inside and confusing the Jets' pass rush. But that also makes it really difficult to rush against. They don't run a lot of cover one man or anything like that. So the running lanes aren't really there for the quarterback. A lot of him holding the football, as I mentioned previously, was a product of the receiver group. Do you really think that Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, Crowder for a quarter, and then you're looking at Jeff Smith, I suppose, maybe? They're the guys that are going to get separation. It's the best secondary in the NFL, which the Buffalo Bills have been, the best passing defense, according to DFO, sorry, DFO, DVOA, and also EPA per play on defense. No, it's not the case. So even though there were some, there was a couple of throws where I went, you could have put that in a slightly better spot. But on those 29 dropbacks, I guess, 20 pass attempts and the nine sacks, there wasn't that much that I looked at. I know it sounds stupid when the Jets have, as Rich Samini and those guys want to remind you, negative five yards of passing offense after you lump in the sacks and everything like that. But he didn't make that many mistakes. It was an ugly game from a weather perspective, an opponent versus what you have on the field perspective, and then just how it unfolded for the Jets. They couldn't get the running game going. Zach Wilson was the leading rusher on the day. It was a, a series of unfortunate events. And I, I, look, I'd love to sit here and pick it apart more. If you talked about the Atlanta game, New England game, stuff like that, I definitely could. But mostly... It was just Zach running for his life out there. Luke, I want to go back to something that you brought up before, and that's the arrival of John Beck. You said that a lot of what Zach Wilson improved upon tracks to John Beck showing up and working with Zach Wilson full-time. And in case you don't know, John Beck was Zach Wilson's private quarterback coach all throughout college and then the pre-draft process. He's been working with Beck a long time. Beck, of course, a fellow BYU former quarterback. And he came in and worked with Zach Wilson on a full-time basis after Wilson came back from that injury. The Jets hired him and put him on staff. Tell me a little bit about why you think that John Beck's arrival is such a big factor in Zach Wilson turning this corner as far as not giving the ball away as much as he did early in the season. Well, I'm glad we're talking about John Beck a little bit because there's certain analysts on ESPN who kind of, I think, forgot that he came to the Jets and suggested (laughs) after the Houston Texans game that maybe the Jets needed to get someone else in their quarterback room because the people they had on staff didn't cut it. And since that game, Zach Wilson has been outstanding kind of if you take out the New Orleans Saints game, which is pretty bad, to be honest. John Beck, what he's done for Zach Wilson, he's improved his footwork under center a ton. That was a big issue for him, and that's why the timing of a lot of his throws are off, and he was getting to the wrong read and the wrong route at the wrong time. So getting his footwork and base in a better spot, I'm telling you, there was times last week against the Bucks where Zach was going from left to right and his whole base was coming with him. It looked beautiful. That wasn't happening, and that's because John Beck's coming and he's working on those fundamentals we saw at BYU. And people could say, look, maybe that's just Zach getting better naturally as the rookie season goes along. Look, I can't disprove that theory. But I think having Beck there, going back to those fundamental principles and being familiarized with a coach is enormous. And the timeline matches up ever since that Houston game when he was still kind of gimpy and you saw him rolling out struggling. The footwork has been awesome. And then I talked about the mental aspect of the game. You know, when uh, Mike White went out and Lafleur went up to the booth, he said, you know, Mike White doesn't need me on the sideline. Everyone took that as a negative against Zach. And look, kind of, it was a bit of a shot. I don't think he needed to say it. 
But John Beck is a familiar face, as I just kind of mentioned. He's a great calming influence and personality on Zach Wilson. They have that relationship. So if something doesn't go right, and that doesn't mean throw an interception because Zach's not throwing those right now, but maybe it's a read he missed or he was frustrated that he got a protection wrong or whatever it is. John can just kind of reaffirm that he knows what he's doing. You're okay. You're playing good football. Let's get back to it. These kind of triggers that coaches and players have verbal cues that when they say that word, they're back on it. They're back kind of on the field in business. So I think it isn't a coincidence at all. John Beck's arrival has lined up with Zach Wilson's improvement. It's improved his feet. It's improved his mind. And I think the biggest two areas we've seen are are those two. Look, a lot of people are optimistic about Zach Wilson heading into 2022 because of the fact that he improved so drastically in that area and because he looked much sharper and much more poised and in command of the offense than he had earlier in the season. In addition to his obvious physical gifts, this was a lot of what Jets fans were excited about with Sam Darnold as well, heading into the 2019 season. You remember, he closed 2018 very strong, and Jets fans were bullish on him heading into 2019. Now, he obviously got mono earlier in the year, and Gase was here, and everything sort of went sideways. He did have his moments in 2019, but he didn't take that jump in 2019, and then, as we know, fell off a cliff in 2020. Is there anything you can point to so far that would make you think that there is a legitimate reason to believe that it's different this time with Zach Wilson, even though, much like Darnold, he closed the season strong after struggling early? Yeah, I think there's a few things. I think the the first one I want to touch on is the sustainability of Zach's run. This is now a five or six week stretch where A, he hasn't turned the football over and B, he's been playing at a high level. If you look at Sam's, look, Sam kind of had a similar trajectory. If you look at the injuries at wide receiver and things like that, he played amazing football against the Packers and the Houston Texans. But outside of that, he was okay against, I think, the Bears and the Patriots the last two weeks. He kind of cooled off. Zach was phenomenal kind of for a four-week stretch there. So I think it's a more prolonged run of success. But if you look at Sam's rookie season and the back half of it, I think about the uh, Minnesota game. which I think it might have been when he got injured, actually. But it was just, he was still not seeing the field well in the back half of the season. The last five or six games, Sam was still making these mistakes where he'd throw a ball into coverage and they'd drop it or, you know, it'd get tipped and it wouldn't find an interception. So even when he was playing better ball, there were still mistakes with Sam reading defenses. His ability to throw over the middle of the field was never there and still isn't there. If you see a highlight for the Panthers now on Sunday, it's going to be uh, Sam Darnold throwing outside the numbers on a corner or on a comeback or something like that. He just doesn't see the middle of the field. Zach has been phenomenal throwing digs and in routes and slants and everything I've talked about for the last five weeks at nauseum on this podcast and on my YouTube channel, Scott, he's done that so well. So vision and ability to see the field and read defenses. And the other thing is his base. I just kind of raved about Zach's base and the improvements we've seen there since John Beck's come in after the Houston game and, and Zach's injury. Well, Sam Darnold's base, a guy, Joe Blewett, who's obviously people listen to the pod are really familiar with, does great work at JetX. He did a review at the end of that season, 2018, and talked about how sloppy Sam's base was still, and he wasn't stepping in the bucket. He was losing his right, sorry, his left side, which means he's leaking away from throws. Zach had similar issues, but he's rectified them, and they look fantastic. So I think the two things I'd lean on if people want encouragement as to why it's different this time. I'd say it's the base and the footwork of Zach Wilson. And it's also the ability to read coverages and throw over the middle of the field because you're going to get some awesome out routes. We saw Zach throw one of the best out routes off his own end zone to a guy named someone black number three on Sunday. Sam Donald can do that. 
But Sam Darnold can't throw over the middle. So I think they're the two things that I'd suggest people look at if they want some hope. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, doing great film work over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. The Zach Wilson video is up right now, so if you want to see Luke's full breakdown, you can check it out. There's also some other awesome videos, some still to come, but the one that you just put up was Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State. I've been raving about him for a while. In fact, I got in your ear And I like to think that I'm part of the reason why you made that video because you said, all right, I got to check this guy out if you like him this much. And then you were blown away too. That video is awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, you've got to check it out. So Luke, talk about the videos that are up there, especially the McBride video, what's coming up over the next couple of days and weeks. And also, of course, our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. I think you know a little bit about what we've got over there as well. Yeah, I do. I'll start with T Public. Uh, my partner Alex has been a big part of designing and and then also drawing the artwork that are going on all the shirts and mugs and hats and everything you can do with our designs over at T Public. Uh, we've got the Zach Wilson says go long range with him pointing against Tennessee. The Zach the Ripper shirt, kind of play on words there with him with some blood on his sweatband. That was uh, that was made as well coming into the season. The bless you, thank you range with John Franklin Eyes and Quinn and Williams. Play like a jet logo tees. You can get all those things. You can get them on a range of items, whether it be clothing, phone cases, hats, doesn't really matter. So head over there, help us out. And then on the YouTube, look, let's start with Trey McBride. You were right. This kid is just a stud. And how I let off the video was by saying that if you could build a tight end in a lab for Mike LaFleur, this would be the guy. There are freak athletes at the tight end position, David Njoku, uh, Ingram, uh, who's the other one this year? Mike Jacecki. They're all free agents. None of them are a great fit for what Mike LaFleur wants. Everyone talks about Dalton Schultz. He's going to get paid. We're talking 13 to 15 million per annum, and it's going to be a competitive market if Dallas even let him see it. This is the guy. If Trey McBride lasts, lasts to 35, you almost sprint that card up, depending what else is on the board. Dynamic blocker, aggressive, almost looks like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez out there blocking. Just you don't see that physicality at the position anymore. His ability to catch balls outside his frame and just go up and reach out. He looks like (laughs) Denzel Mims at Baylor, for those who enjoyed his tape. He can do things the Jets' tight end group can't. He's so balanced. He's great on crossing routes. He is perfect for this offense, so I highly suggest checking that out. And then we've got a video coming up on Mackay Becton and why he's going to be the answer for the Jets at left tackle, even though George Fant was really, really good this year and pretty close to the team MVP. And then every single week coming into the draft, there's going to be three or four prospects we break down. Guys like Burks, uh, the wide receiver, who looks like he's going to be a top 15, 20 pick when it comes to it down in April. A ton of uh, Zion Johnson, the Boston College uh, guard, another guy that uh, you and I have been talking about for the last couple of months, Scott. So you can look out for those kind of videos two, three times a week. Plenty of stuff on the Jets, the off-season plan. It's going to be really good. Make sure that you check out everything that Luke's got going over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Great film breakdowns. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.